broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Hey everybody, this is Wake Up Missouri. I'm Steve Spellin filling in on the hot seat here with Stephanie Bell. Got uh, John Marsh, producer Hannah. I just said your name once. Just once. <laughs> Hello. I won't sing the, the Hannah song. That's great. Uh, glad, glad you're with us on a uh, pre-holiday Tuesday morning in Missouri. It's trying to get light, but so cloudy that uh, yeah, it's, it's a little dark out there. So hope your morning's going well, whatever you're doing. You're at work or traveling or whatever you're planning to do. Hey, uh, we're... Uh, you know, economy news is, is always in the news because there's a lot going on um, and a lot of concerns about their cost of living, uh, job situation, uh, ha- price of housing, price of cars, and other stuff fluctuates. It's it's sometimes hard for the average person to to keep track of that. So for a little insight on this, I thought we'd bring in uh, my good friend, uh, Professor Joe Hasleck. He's a professor of economics at the uh, University of Missouri, good free market guy. Joe, welcome to the program here, man. Thanks a lot. Happy Thanksgiving oh, to both of you. Hey. Folk. Do I need that again? Oh Happy yeah, Thanksgiving I'm, to yeah. both of you. Yeah. I got a lot of buttons. Here. You're, you're getting faster, Steve. Dang, yeah, I'm, I'm running the deal over here. So yeah, but uh, no, it's good. To, good to see you, man. You but uh, you know, we were talking about, uh, or I was about uh, the cranberry market, and that usually isn't very interesting, but uh, it's a thing this time of year. Um, no, I don't know what. What's your professional observations about that? I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to get legislation started so that we rid our world of... Cr- no, I'm kidding. I know. We need a ban. No, I don't like right. it, so let's ban it. <laughs> no, uh, big fan of the cranberries. It is intense this part of year, but uh, I was telling you guys off the air that uh, I've got a very dear friend who's uh, president of a fruit company in Michigan, so they do blueberries and, and all sorts of stuff, but part of their plant is dedicated to drying cranberries. So mm-hmm. you guys were talking about cranberry juice and all the other... All the other uh, options that go with a cranberry, and so they do twenty four seven or a big chunk of dried berries every year. Yeah, craisins, and I totally had forgot. I didn't even mention that, and that's that no. has to be huge. I think there was some sort of lobby several years ago to add craisins to like every salad on a restaurant menu. <laughs> I mean, it has to be that they're on everything, and then you, like people will put them in like chicken salad and other things. And I mean, when I was a kid growing up. Did we have craisins? I don't. No, they invented. I think at some point, you know, they, somebody thought about drying grapes at some point and, and putting them in a bag. And I was like, well, why not cranberries too? I blame the hydrator. It's just given us options galore. And uh, no, these are right. These are things that are uh, these, that have have caught our fancy. And so dried, yeah, craisins are wonderful. According to Stephanie's beloved Wikipedia, oh. craisins were invented in 1989. Wow. Okay. Okay. During our lifetimes here, but um, on the well, on, some of y'all. So, so yeah, sorry, <laughs> some of our middle-aged folks here. Um, you know, uh, on the text line, Doug uh, points out that uh, there is a St. James Winery, which is what that by Herman in there or St. James, I think. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, they've got a country <laughs> red, uh, which is a cranberry wine, I guess. Uh, so that that's sold as well. Uh, and there's other food products that. Put cranberries in them, too. Yeah, Tara was sending in one of my favorite recipes, although she does it slightly different than I do. And I was talking about fresh cranberry relish. Well, I make this uh, cranberry jalapeno dip, and you make the relish. It's kind of sweet and spicy with jalapenos in it. And you just spread cream cheese out and dump the relish on top is how I serve it. Tara apparently is bougier than I am, and she makes it into a log of cream cheese covered in this cranberry relish. It is Mm. 
delicious. Whenever I take this somewhere, people request that I bring it back. Mm. Um, you can look it up on the interwebs. So in the whole uh, mainstream collectivist uh, <laughs> uh, discussion, uh, well, I don't like that, so I don't think they should make that. Well, what skin is I, I, I'm not a fan of sour cream, cream cheese generally. Oh, okay. It's more for you then if you like it. And, you know, in a market economy, Joe, to kind of go back to meteor subjects, I guess, beyond cranberries, which is a legitimate market. I mean, it's interesting, teachable moment. But, um, you know, I I don't have to like everything for somebody to like it. And I, I don't have to like it to produce it, but somebody does. Stephanie always says, don't yuck someone else's yum. Yeah, that's good. That's what my kids learned at Southern Moon. Yeah, and this time of year, people get offended by that stuff. But you know, uh, but it, it's a whole it's a whole thing of people interacting. That's that's what it's about. Well, ultimately, we're we seem to be beings who uh, who want to try to create things, whether it's art mm-hmm. or or craisins or whatever it is. There's a variety of different mm-hmm. things, and there's a test to see whether it's going to survive or not. And uh, yeah. we've made a we've made a pretty high standard of living by uh, by being willing to try things out and see if they're going to work or yeah not. so people try something it may not sound like a good idea to me but you know they gain traction sometimes and it takes off and it becomes a thing yeah and craisins you know weren't a thing in 1988 apparently but now they are can and you so, imagine if you were the person who was like you know what we should do dry this you know so many people make so much money by just like the simplest I, i'm always like i could have invented that i could have yeah. looked at a craisin or i had a cranberry and thought we should try this and make a whole industry like putting a little leg that's a stand on a cell phone why would you like well you can turn it up and you can watch a video and you can sit up there it's a little tripod thing well somebody thought of that og and og in a cave somewhere came up with the wheel or you know whatever that looked like uh, and that sort of thing. But, you know, one hot topic, Joe, is uh, the cost of Thanksgiving. I guess it's come off peak a little bit. Uh, oh, well, good. Thanksgiving's a little cheaper for the, the typical, you know, turkey and dressing and all the cranberries and all that stuff. Well, but that's after the last couple years or so that went up a lot. So um, it's kind of shifting sand. What, what's your uh, what's your view on, uh, I guess, cost of living concerns? It's kind of ebbed and flowed recently. Yeah, it's it's uh, extremely interesting to watch the uh, disinflation. So, I, I don't know what the age distribution of your listeners are, but those of us who lived through uh, the '70s, in particular, I mean, Americans have a strong distaste for inflation. Mm. So, um, I think it's a good thing that we. Uh, I don't mean this in a pejorative. I think it's a good thing that we yell and scream when inflation gets to nine, ten percent, like it did last year, and uh, mm. I think the Fed kind of stepped in and was pretty aggressive in making sure that they maintained some credibility that they were inflation fighters and Mm -hmm. um i think we've seen it's the prices are still rising but they're rising at a much slower rate now than they were a year ago and Mm -hmm. um so there's hope that uh, we can get back to Mm -hmm. volker's idea was if i remember correctly i'll paraphrase this in a botched way but his idea was you want uh inflation low and greenspan echoed this as well you want inflation low enough that uh, people don't factor it into their everyday decisions yeah and paul uh, it's paul volcker he headed up the federal reserve in uh, what the uh, late 70s early yeah, 80s yeah, and whip yeah. inflation now double Whoa. digit inflation uh, cost of living and it was like hey and and the tool that they had in the toolbox was let's raise interest rates it makes money more expensive and has a slowing effect on the economy and that's what the more recent folks in that position did uh, early last year. They started this process, taking short-term interest rates, bank rates from nothing, like a rounding air zero, where it been for over a decade. And now they're, we got mortgage rates at 7%. 
Um, you know, and you know, people can if they go out there, they can get maybe five percent or so on their savings, which is good for them. But um, it has an effect of trying to slow down the cost of living increases that we've seen. Uh- yeah, I mean, I think uh, ultimately what I think is this is not about uh, interest rates so far. I think the Fed followed interest rates up. The point is is that uh, uh, there was just simply liquidity, too much liquidity running around in this in the system, too much money, yeah. too, not green-colored pieces of paper. It's the, the biggest chunk of money is those zeros and ones that show up on banks' balance sheets and, and all the other things, and uh, on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, too, and... Uh, uh, ultimately, when you start to tighten, when you start to raise rates, the way that you do that is you have to cut the money supply, and so you have less money chasing the it, same yeah. number of goods or more goods. It slows down that economic activity and helps prices that way. So we're talking with the economics professor Joe Hasselick this morning. Joe, so we're talking about those uh, interest rates and lending rates and all. I know we were watching the publicly traded banks in Missouri, you know, in the last quarter, and they were worried about some mixed earnings results and all that and the failure of silicon valley bank i guess from a listener's standpoint how healthy are missouri's banks should you be concerned uh, I, there's nothing that looks you always have to be concerned uh banks are in the trust business right so they're accepting deposits and their job is to take those deposits figure out how much people are going to need on a on a regular basis hold enough funds for that and then to buy assets that are going to make more money for the owners of the bank um so it is by its very nature a a business that uh, involves trust between the depositors and the bank, and it also requires that bank management do its job diligently. So we don't have many failures in the U.S. now, probably uh, largely due to the fact that we de- we insure deposits and people don't feel the need to make a, uh, a Jimmy Stewart kind of run <laughs> on the bank anymore. Um, but I, it's what's really interesting is, I mean, you still see we're down to 4,000 4,200 banks in the U.S., uh, just to give you an example, Canada seems to run about nearly 98% of their deposits through five to seven banks. Hmm. Um, we have always in this country thought, just like home ownership is really important in this country, we've always felt it was really important to have local banks. And um, I think that even raises the possibility of people in bank management like Silicon Valley who are going to take big bets. And sometimes those big bets go bad, and and um, and they have to shut the doors of those banks. And there aren't that many regulators anymore to to keep mm. that vigilant uh, an oversight on things. And it gets I, uh, mm. back to your question: banks in Missouri, as far as I know, are healthy. They're in pretty good shape, and uh, we we don't have to we don't have to go down to our banker this morning and ask him what he's been doing with our money lately. Yeah, I know people <laughs> cash in the Christmas Club account, right? <laughs> I know people in this this industry. I'll say, and uh, you know, when and last uh, spring, as John was mentioning, you know, a couple banks on the each the east and west coast had problems. Oh my God, the whole thing! Like, well, the system came in, shored them up. Well, okay, we're going to unlimit give unlimited FDIC insurance. And oh yeah, and then they got bought out their assets, and life goes on. And I don't think anybody stopped having a checking account. Nobody lost their money, uh, isolated thing. And you know this dispersed risk over the economy and multi institutions. Uh, and and FDIC insurance. Oh my God, well I got to be FDIC insured. Well maybe, but have you seen the scandals with these people uh, lately? I mean they've got uh, the uh, sexual harassment and they're sexting female employees i mean some bad bad stuff it's like you trust them instead 
uh, of this. So it's it's about who do you trust, and uh, uh, we'll maybe do more of that uh, discussion later on. But uh, been talking with uh, economics professor uh, Joe Hasek from Mizzou. We'll take a little break here and uh, be back with uh, what's hot with Hannah, and uh, we'll be back with Hornell here on Wake Up in Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri featuring your mom. All right, we're back with uh, Wake Up Mid-Missouri. What's hot with what's hot with Hannah? A <laughs> little that bit in. of a tongue twister there. What is going on, Hannah? What's up? Well, I'm a little sad about the Chiefs losing last mm. night. I stayed up past my bedtime for a not very good football performance from our Kansas City Chiefs, but that's okay. I'll get over it. Instead, I'll focus on some NBA news because that's coming up. Uh-huh. The uh, the Denver Nuggets, which of course is where Mid Missouri's very own. Michael Porter Jr. Right. plays. Uh, they made some news this week because of a little mishap they had with their basketball court last week. The like NBA in-season tournament that they do, kind of just for funsies in December every year, was last weekend. And one of the players for the Denver Nuggets... Or I'm sorry. One of the players for Dallas was shooting on the Denver Nuggets brand spanking new court, and he's like, "This doesn't feel right." John, have you seen this story? Do you know where this is going? Yeah, it's one of those deals where it's like, I'm shooting from the locker room here. <laughs> he's shooting his three pointers and he's missing a whole lot. And as anyone would do, they don't blame it on themselves; they blame it on their surroundings. You know, mm. something feels different. Well, turns out uh, Grant Williams was actually right, and the three-point line was mm, maybe about a foot farther back. <laughs> Makes a difference. Than it was supposed to be. And so these professional athletes who rely a lot on muscle memory when it comes to things like shooting three-pointers yeah. were coming up short. And in the corners, yeah, like John said, they were almost out of bounds because the line was so far back. Uh, so the Denver Nuggets had to scramble to paint the correct three-point line. And if you were watching the game, you can actually still see the faint outline of where the, <laughs> the old three-point line used to be. We talk about people having bad days at work. I just imagine that phone call like, Fred? <laughs> you put the line in the hey, wrong line drawing spot, guy. Buddy. Like, whose it. fault was that exactly? I yeah, want to know. Then the, then the follow-up is on it. they got to redo it. And then all of a sudden, there's size 17 blue footprints all over the court. <laughs> <laughs> like, like on the highway. You know, yeah. they paint a line and then <laughs> dotted line from somebody's tire going over it. Yeah. That reminds me, in Jefferson City, as you're kind of coming out of the tri-level, headed west... Uh, has anyone noticed the bright blue paint that has been splattered all over the road for the no, last couple of weeks? I did see that. I wonder what happened there. <laughs> Bucket of paint kind of <laughs> fell off a pickup truck or it, something like that. It's a pretty big uh, 
pretty big area that was covered by this bright blue paint. So it's a westbound lane. Maybe they were headed to Denver to redo the stripes. <laughs> maybe there you go. Maybe. <laughs> so really, yeah. You think? Well, maybe they measured from the wrong spot. You know, maybe they <laughs> typically measure from the center of the hoop, and maybe they went from the edge of the hoop, or. Yeah, who knows? There's a measuring line that somebody uses. It seems like there's a basketball contractor that should be an expert, and that you don't just like hire like the hardwood floor guy to come <laughs> out and like do your basketball court, right? Yeah. Especially in the NBA, like yeah. the spot on the on the Chiefs game where they're showing the guy who just did the end zone logo, and it says <laughs> chefs. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my favorite commercials right now. No, it's so embarrassing because you know. It's one of the first like looks that the public gets at the NBA for the season. And the Denver Nuggets were probably super excited to show off their brand new blue basketball court. And uh, that happened. So that's kind of embarrassing, slightly. It's like being a lawyer. It's like you've looked at your brief. You've looked at your pleading. It's perfect. You're ready to go. You click submit. It gets publicly filed. And then there's like a typo on the front page. Like, <laughs> Misspell swear. your own name or something. Well, there was also a Division One football team. I can't remember which one it was that at the beginning of the football season was debuting this gigantic, huge screen in one of their end zones. And they were really proud of it. They'd spent a couple million dollars on it. You know, everyone was anxious to see it because it was supposed to be super cool. And then it got struck by lightning in the first game and half of it, like, shut down. Bummer. Yeah. yeah life happens. <laughs> well, they got it fixed, though. Hey, this is Wake Up Mid Missouri. We'll be back with more with uh, Professor Joe Hasleck talking about more about the economy. This is Wake Up Mid Missouri. Stay tuned. Miss some of the show? Check out our podcast at 939theeagle.com. Hey, everybody. This is Wake Up in Missouri. I'm Steve Spellman filling in on the hot seat here yesterday and today. And then, whew, be off. Hey, we're here with Stephanie Bell, with John Marsh, producer Hannah, Brian Houseworth floating around. Uh, we're back with another segment with um, Mizzou economics professor Joe Hasleg. Uh, Joe, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, how's, how's your Thanksgiving? What are you thankful for, man? Oh, I'm so grateful. All my uh, my children and grandchildren are all. This is our year. So uh, they started descending last night, and I'll have a smile on my face until I'm exhausted on Sundays. Yeah, so. yeah. Your specialty at Mizzou is uh, monetary economics, which uh, I don't know if you bring that up at cocktail parties or whatever. Be like, ah, oh, I got it. Not sure what that is or whatever, but yeah, we talked about uh, the cost of living, commonly called inflation. You know, last year, last summer of last year, it was up about nine percent. The mainline uh, cost of living index. So, a basket of goods two years ago was a hundred bucks, literally. Uh, last summer, it went to one hundred nine, and now they're saying inflation. Oh, inflation slowed down. Like, well, no, it's up another three. So that basket of goods is now one hundred and twelve ish in general, and that's not. You know, there's underlying pieces. You know, the cost of Thanksgivings may be down. I see co- uh, cost of furniture, other things have, you know, maybe leveled out and so forth. That might be good for uh, holiday shoppers and so forth. But, you know, we bemoan that. That two years ago, stuff you buy for 100 bucks now, 112 Oh, man, that sucks. Well, Argentina and, well, a lot of other countries, uh, that's pretty tame ongoing. And, and recently, Argentina, they had this uh, election over the weekend. They uh, voted in a libertarian because they had a disaster. 
recent cost of living increases 150 percent. That's bread last year was two bucks. Now it's five, and at that rate, it's going to be twelve next year. We can't imagine that in this country. No, yeah. no, and we should be grateful for that. I mean, if, if you're talking about one of the things that uh, you should be grateful for is. Um, we tend to battle inflation pretty quickly. The 70s was a little messy. Uh, uh, we didn't quite know what to do with uh, the the increases in oil prices and and um, and all the things that went with that. And we were the, the Fed's got the 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 challenge is the Fed has a dual mandate for both kind of stable growth, promoting growth, and keeping inflation low. Um, the dominant theory or approach to this is that there's something called a Phillips curve, which says that there's a trade-off. So mm-hmm. if you try to get inflation down, you can do that, but in doing so, you're going to slow growth. So there's a cost and benefit analysis. Um, mm-hmm. When you look at the data, it's kind of interesting. The Fed doesn't matter nearly as much as, as a lot of people want to say it does. Uh, of course, it matters. Uh, it, it sets expectations at high frequencies. And if you're in the financial markets, it matters a lot because a, a word from a Fed governor can move prices, yeah. you know, 50 basis points or something, and you can make a lot of money or lose a lot of money based on unexpected yeah. things. This, that this those the higher uh, interest rate environment uh, yeah. makes it a, a costlier to borrow. Mortgages are 7 8%. <coughs> Ooh, that costs a lot. Affecting the housing market and, and all that sort of thing, things you buy with, uh, with credit. But savers, you know, getting paid more in bank deposits and money markets and uh, bond rates, so it's helpful to savers. They were really through a desert of near zero interest rates for for many years. But you know, just to be thankful in this country, we have the world reserve currency. Our our currency, you know, we've got ads for uh, silver coins and gold IRAs. And if you want to do that, that yeah, you know, I'm not going to argue against you. But we have a relatively stable currency, even though not perfect. Maybe in Steve's perfect world, but other countries like Argentina or other times in the past. Give us kind of the basket case type scenario, what a hyperinflation environment looks like for the everyday average person. Yeah, so one of my favorite stories for my undergrads is uh, is Germany after World War One, um, right? France and England sort of imposed some pretty significant penalties on them, and the only way that the new German Republic, after they got rid of the Kaiser, was to pay for that stuff was to print money. Um, literally, literally to print money. So at, at one point, my, to really articulate this, uh, German factory workers were paid twice a day. They were paid at lunch and then at the end of the day. <laughs> um, and the reason why was because whatever they got paid at lunch was worth about half as much or a quarter as much as it was by five o'clock in the evening when the factory. Your purchasing was power dropped by half. In half a day. In half a day. So the wives would come to the factory gates, to the fences. The factory workers would hand over the script or the currency that they held, and the women would go out and spend it as fast as they could. So there was no interest. You weren't earning any interest on that. Um, It was hard to keep up with it. But and we also think of the the other thing I tell the tell my classes. you know, now we we think of how we love to go to restaurants where they put the uh, the menus or the prices on um, on chalkboards, and we think how quaint that's that been is. a thing in the last couple of years, right? It mm-hmm. has, and it, it's a marketing tool. It sort of sets the tone for what the branding is of the restaurant. Well, they did this originally in Germany in in the 1920s because prices were changing every hour. Oh. 
So, yeah, yeah, we've we've been fortunate. We've never had to live through a hyperinflation. Latin America has suffered through it multiple times. Chronically. Yeah, it seems to be, it seems to come in waves. Um, there's always reforms, and then there's bad periods. See, and now the thing that I never order is the thing that always doesn't list the men, the price and just says market price. I'm like, ooh, I don't, I don't want to go there because I know well, yeah, whatever that is, if they're not willing to list it today, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's probably out of my price range. Yeah. But, but that three dollar lobster you forego. <laughs> yeah. That's true. We're, uh, we're here with uh, economics professor Joe Hasslake. Joe, what's up with gasoline prices? We're uh, seeing thirty-five, forty cents a gallon cheaper. When we talk about the economy being up, should we be concerned about the shoes ready to drop from OPEC again? Uh, yeah, we always have to keep our eyes on what uh, what their plans are. I, I think uh, I think what happened between Ukraine, uh, you know, eighteen months ago, and and what happened in uh, Gaza. Uh, markets don't like uncertainty. They don't like to be surprised, and they respond by trying to um, trying to cover themselves in some way. And often, it's the suppliers who are going to jack. You know, they can't unilaterally jack up prices, but um, there's concerns, and prices are going to respond. That's that's the you know. If, I don't want to say that's the downside of the market, but that's how markets work. I don't know if you guys remember after 9-11, right, the gas lines that mm. formed that day. Yeah. Gas prices went to almost 5 $6 a gallon um, out of fear. And uh, so fear and uncertainty, I'm using those terms almost interchangeably. But, mm. but what I mean is um, I don't think – I think the gas prices now are falling largely because – uh, there are certain technical aspects in the market. The the refineries are, our capacity seems to be expanding. I think there's some wonderful things that are fundamentals mm-hmm. that are going on, but there's a part of that. Um, I don't know what fraction, but a part of it that is just reflecting the fact that the world sees the conflicts as being regional and not, um, not onerous enough to to affect the global markets in a big way. Yeah, many politicians around the world are declaring. Uh, well, Steph, you have a yeah so long term you know i i i'm a twitter i i can't help myself i like say x i know um and i've been seeing amongst the real estate bros and the car dealer bros Mm. they're saying you know what's your month look like on car sales what's your month look like for home sales and they've really over i would say just the last month two months saying it's really slowing down a lot and getting more and more nervous about the future of the economy can you say anything about are you optimistic pessimistic you know does it all depend on the 2024 election uh should we be you know should i be buying gold and hiding it in my backyard i'm it's making me nervous yeah so right, if I was a really good forecaster, let me start off by saying, if I was really good, I'd have an island somewhere, and I wouldn't have time to talk to you guys. So <laughs> you have to take this with fair a, point. So, okay, so uh, what are my thoughts? Um, I think that we're starting to see some uh, some slowdown in consumption spending. Um, some people view that as purely a demand kind of thing that consumers are, are retrenching and what's going on. Uh, my view on this is that. People are extraordinarily complicated and complex, and they're looking into their futures, and they're guessing what their income growth is going to look like, and they spend accordingly. Milton Friedman had this idea back in the 50s that was well articulated. And so part of the slowdown in consumer spending on services and on non-durables, not big-ticket items, but uh, the everyday items that we think about, um, has started to slow down. And my best guess would be I think we're going to go into 2024 with growth somewhere in the one to two percent range 
Um, I don't see a recession imminent. Uh, all the major indicators that people use are predicting uh, the probability of a recession is still below 20%. Um, so I don't, see a, I don't see a recession, although it could happen, of course. Uh, I don't think that's part of our, our makeup in the next uh, uh, six months or something like that, but it's, yeah. it's going to be fun. We've got a break here in a minute or two. Okay. But, you know, when people are worried about stuff, they take precautions. Um, and people, if you're sitting there worrying about this or that, you know, see on the TV, you know, there silver coins or gold IRAs and things like this, and crypto, you know, things, dollars going to crap. Well, I wouldn't see that tomorrow. But if people are worried about something, you know, you want to have a security blanket, oh, okay. Um, you know, in Argentina, the, their currency hasn't worked out. Uh, it's inflating at 150% a year. That, that, that can't be sustained. So they're talking about switching to the dollar because it's better. Um, our friends, uh, uh, I know a, a number of Mormon uh, folks, and they are big, for many reasons, into food storage. They can build up to a year's worth of food, and they got a pantry system and, and stuff like this, rice in a, in, a, in a sealed bucket. And there's reasons they've got that. And when you got food inflation, but you got a lot of food stored in the pantry, it's like, well, okay. I was telling you yesterday that I went in to buy some butter, and it was, the brand name butter was like seven ninety nine. And we've had listeners calling in telling us they're really into Christmas cookies, and that mm. they freeze when butter goes on sale. They freeze it, and some people had like mm. twenty pounds of butter, and I thought they were insane. And you know what? This Until... weekend, I was like, I really wish I had <laughs> some of that two ninety nine butter in my freezer. You we're creatures uh, who want to try to insure ourselves, um, right? I mean, it's uh, it's it's human nature to think uh, the future is scary, and how do I how do I prepare for mm-hmm. uh, for these kinds of events? Different people have different kind of taste over risk, yeah. so I don't have a big pantry. Um, I kind of go with the flow, I guess, uh, maybe a little bit. It's what are you going to spend your time on? But if you had a concern of that and you're keeping up at night, okay, take some precautions. Sure. Yeah, and, and it costs uh, well, you a little something, and maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe you know, I stored peanut butter was going up a while a few years ago. I went and bought peanut butter, and then well, I actually went down. Then it's like, oh well, okay, well that didn't work out. But anyway, well, we've been talking with uh, economics professor uh, Joe Hasleg with us. We'll take a little break here on Wake Up Men, Missouri, and be back with Maury in just a minute. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Listen to Wake Up Mid-Missouri from anywhere in the world by downloading our app for free. And that would be all, except for this. I don't know about you, but it seems like the holiday protest season is starting earlier and earlier every year. NNYC in the Big Apple protesting Santa on his adult-sized tricycle pedaled up First Avenue <laughs> and dragged an eight-foot-long missile to the United Nations. Oh. His message to world leaders, peace on earth or else. <laughs> Nobody ran for cover. It was a fake. St. Nick was media prankster Joey Skaggs, complete with his elves. He said everybody wants a missile and called his event Santa's Missile Toe. And they came up with new lyrics for Jingle Bells, which were, Jingle Bells, we're going to hell, burning all the way. Oh, Oh, what fun it is to die in a fire nuclear way. Hey, he's the guy who was the one who wrote and put an ad in the Village Voice in Mm -hmm. New York for a bogus dog brothel. 
A New York Times got spoofed and covered his uh, movement to rename the Gypsy Moth on the grounds that it offended the Gypsy people. Okay. And just in time for the holidays, he was on Good Morning America the other day, posing as a Marine promoting the Fat Squad. He said, we're, we're a business. Send out our muscle-bound guys to keep you from raiding the fridge during the holidays. You know, we're going we're gonna to talk about freedom of speech in the next hour. You know, freedom of speech is about protecting uh, uh, offensive speech and sometimes stupid speech. Yes, sir. You know, sometimes people are saying <laughs> More stupid More often stuff. than not. Uh, it's free country. You can say stupid crap. <laughs> and, you know, uh, we're not going to put you in jail. Yeah. <laughs> anonymous speech as well? Yeah, yes. staying anonymous. Thank you, Nikki Haley. Yeah, oh, everybody should register online so we know you're real. Like, mm, I don't yeah. And even the folks from the squad and their convoluted views. Yeah. Pardon me, alleged convoluted views. <laughs> alleged, yeah. I think I'm going to Doug's house for Thanksgiving, honestly. He's yeah, on the text line in. here, yeah. He says, I have a deep freezer full of nothing but deer meat, bacon, and butter. That's good eating. If the world is ending, Doug, <laughs> send us your address. We're coming over. <laughs> a little bit of everything in there, yeah. People are, people are pulling out, but, uh, yeah. So, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, John, I, I guess there's some uh, yeah crazy crap out there these days. And uh, I, I guess that missile thing from Santa, you don't take that to the airport either. Uh, get get checked out. No, they TSA might they might, might take a little dimmer view of wheeling up with an eight-foot-long missile <laughs> to take on your flight with you through the TSA, I guess. Yeah, TSA might frown upon that, I guess. They just took issue with poor Jennifer's purse, remember? They they said, <laughs> you got to leave that at... Refresh our memory on that. Yeah, Jennifer uh, Bukowski, uh, that's well-known to our Wake Up family, and that mm-hmm. regularly appears on Gary Nolan yeah. and uh, Randy Tobler's show, had a purse. Um, the style of purse, there's a whole line of them, and they they have like rings on the top that you, can hold, that you hold it by, but it kind of looks like brass knuckles, but they're like bejeweled at the top. Um, and so you, you can, thought it was a weapon? Uh, yeah, they said, nope, can't go. And she had to leave it behind. And she wasn't very happy about it. No, probably not. That's not like... That was it, the local TSA, too. Oh, man. That's not like your bottle of shampoo's a little big, or, hey, you have fingernail clippers. Uh, that's uh, probably a little little nicer uh, uh, item there. But, yeah, you know, I... I well, we got, we got a minute here. A lot of people traveling. I am not traveling by airplane. I avoid that like the plague. These uh, <laughs> these uh, these high traffic times. So they talk about you know delays at airport. That is yeah. not me. <laughs> I have a friend who's an architect who got kicked out of TSA for a drafting pencil in his suit pocket. A drafting pencil. A dra- me- mechanical drafting pencil. I I traveled. Uh, was it uh, from here to uh, New Orleans with uh, my uh, older mother? And she's in a wheelchair and stuff, and couldn't stand up to go into the you know the, the naked body scanner thing that they still have. And they're like, "Well, she needs to put her foot on there on on the little thing." Like, you look at her. Is this a terrorist? What you, <laughs> is she? Seventy five? Because she's seventy five. She can still sit in the thing. Well, no, she's seventy three. Well, she's got to go through the thing. And you know, little ki- five year old kids, seventy three year old women. Oh, you're a potential terrorist. What kind of country is this? I, I'm sorry to go on a rant there. Well, and I, I just saw a comedian, and they're like, is like, I mean, are the TSA people the the people that are protecting us from terrorists? Really? I mean, no. And and I and the ones yeah. in Colombia actually do a, a, a really good job. They're, they're much better than the 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 big city airports and so forth. For and some certainly. of these people, they're in a bureaucracy. They're following the rules and the bureaucratic training. Do this. Look out for this. And and they'll feel like they get in. You could see it in the young guy's eyes. 
it's like i'll get in trouble if i don't do this rule but but anyway yeah there's stupid speech out there uh, a lot of things but it's all protected it's cool hey this is wake up in missouri we'll be back with more do stay tuned